You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As usual, Drew, Josh, and Connor here to talk about the week in MLS and getting ready for the next week in MLS. But before we get into a busy episode about soccer, we're going to check in with the boys again. So Josh, how was your week? It was uh, it was good. Weekend itself was pretty good overall. I scored eight goals in pickup on Saturday morning and... Yeah, that was at center forward, Connor, since you were wondering about that earlier. <laughs> and uh, I know eight sounds like a lot, but it was most of my team's goals. They only scored, it was 11 total, so pretty pretty good percentage, I would say. <laughs> that's like, that's a that's 72% of the goals were scored by yours truly. So best one of the best uh, games of my life, really solid accomplishment. And uh, I've gotten been getting pretty excited about all the, the DC stuff coming out. The Batman trailer looks pretty cool and all the other little properties that they have. So uh, I actually started watching, I don't know if you guys watched the Batman animated series from like the 90s. It was on TV a lot uh, in the early 2000s, but grew up watching that. So I've been coming, I came back to start watching that show and it holds up after all these years. It's a good show. But anyway, Connor, how was your week? was good. Uh, obviously, Alfonso Davies won Champions League, so that was amazing, and we'll dive into that in a second. Uh, I haven't seen the Batman anime, or whatever it's called, uh, that you watched, because I'm a child compared to you, um, and I'm sure I'll make fun of you later for that when we talk about Alfonso Davies. Uh, but yeah, just a good week overall. You know, Toronto played well, happy with that. Uh, I do want to ask you, though, before we get to how Drew's doing, because that's also very important considering he just started school and you're in <laughs> Georgia. Um, was it 11-11? What was the field size? Oh, it was 8v8, and it wasn't quite full field. One of the goals was pushed up to, like, the top of the box. So took away whatever uh, 18 yards from one end. Just so everybody doesn't have to uh, run too much. Because we, we play at 7.30 a.m. on these Saturday mornings. So I'm waking up at like 6.30 in the morning. And it's to beat the heat and also whatever, like, you know, people are using the fields and stuff to avoid, like, games and things like that. So, yeah. You're crazy. I'm not even up by 11. It's so much fun. Every single day. Um, it's worth it. I bet it is, although that's not my thing. Now, Drew... <laughs> Obviously, you started classes again this week at actual university as opposed to online, which I'm starting in two weeks. What is that like, and are you still wearing a mask? I am still wearing a mask, um, as we are supposed to be doing, but some people more responsible than others. Um, but it's it's been a fun time. Yeah, you got to wear a mask when you get on the buses. Um, most classes are online, but I think I got the short straw on that one, and I'm on campus Every day, yeah. Five out of five days I'm on campus. So it's been cool, though. Um, we'll see how long we last. I think UNC Chapel Hill, which is, like, not far away from us at all here in Georgia, lasted, like, a week, and they had to go fully online. So not looking too good, especially here in the south in Georgia. So I don't know how long we're going to make it, but we'll see how it goes. Got to get back at it tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, 
good week besides that. I just got added to a pickup soccer like group message with a ton of people in Athens. So maybe I'll have an eight goal thriller to bring to you next <laughs> week. Um, but yeah, maybe the podcast is actually secretly really good at soccer. Um, but I yeah. guarantee you that's not true. You can, you can play goalkeeper, Connor. It's okay. You know what's funny? I'm like 5'8", maybe 5'9", and up until I was 12, I actually played goalkeeper. Nice. Until I moved See? outfield. There you go. So, yeah, I'll play goalkeeper for you guys, although we'll have to wait a while because I'm not coming to the States anytime soon uh, because... Fair enough. Yeah. We're, you're not doing great right now. Um, but that's your problem, not really mine. My problems are... Canada and honestly that's not that bad um you want to guys just dive into Davies considering we're talking about Canada I was gonna say speaking of Canada you guys have a lot to be happy about these days yeah we got Kadisha Buchanan as well and Jordan Heitman and Ashley Lawrence playing in the Champions League semi-final on Wednesday so that's gonna be really good excited to see one of them go or maybe two of them go through to the final uh, as we could potentially have two Canadian Champions League winners at the same time for the first time ever uh, even though like, they've we've won it once before the Canadians won it once before on the women's side when Buchanan won it with Lyon uh, but for the first time the men's did it uh, with Davies for Bayern yesterday where they beat PSG 1-0, who, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume you watched it. Um, but yeah, what did you guys think of that game, and how do you think Davies did? Um, it was fun. I was, so from a pure fan standpoint, I really don't like Bayern or PSG, but that's just my weird European thing, so I wasn't too invested in this game, except I wanted to see Alfonso Davies do well, um, but that little piece of white caps in me. But he had he didn't that wasn't his best game by any means. He's done better, but I mean he's playing PSG. He's not playing Fortuna Dusseldorf or something like that. So PSG is obviously a formidable opponent. But yeah, I mean it's good to see him win it. I think Canadians super excited about it. Um, MLS fans really excited about it because also I mean we had the possibility of him playing Tyler Adams in that final with Red Bull Leipzig, but PSG beat them. So it's just a sign that. MLS is really producing really good talent and they're producing at literally the highest level with uh, winning Champions League and competing for Champions League titles on the men and women's side. Um, just curious, who does, because PSG plays Lyon in the women, are both Canadian women's players on PSG? Uh, so Buchanan is on Lyon and then Lawrence and Heitma, who is dating Alfonso Davies, which we're going to talk about in a second, uh, plays for PSG. So you'll for sure have one Canadian in the final. Yes. We're okay. guaranteed to have at least one, uh, which would be amazing, and I'd be very excited for that. Dude, on Lyon, they might, I think you're going to get some double doozy there. I think a Canadian men and women are going to win it. But, yeah, so fun times for Canada. Josh, what did you think about the UCL final? I thought it could have been a little more entertaining. The first half I felt like was really good, really fun to watch, and then it sort of slowed down in the second half. Even though, of course, Byron got their their game winning goal during that, but um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of like you, Drew. I didn't really have a preference as to who's gonna win. I'm not really a fan of either team. I I kind of wish it, it was PSG that was gonna win, just because they hadn't won the tournament before. That was something I was hoping would happen, since of the final eight, six had never won. <laughs> but between Barcelona and Byron, 
we obviously have ended up with the eventual champion. But I digress. So I was kind of hoping PSG if I had to choose. But overall, I was just wanting something entertaining, which we got in the first half, and then that game-winning goal. So just kind of, you know, it was, it was good to see a final with such a high-quality high players that's been so long. You know, we had MLS's back, which is fun and everything, but, you know, it's not the, the greatest players in the world playing out there. So it was uh, it was fun regardless. Yeah, it was a really good game. I liked it. I thought Davies did all right. Uh, he was obviously told to play more defensive than he usually does as opposed to really making a lot of runs because he had to be uh, really confident in the back and he needed to really make up for the lack of pace that Boateng and Sule had. Um because obviously they're not the quickest, and you're dealing with Mbappe and Neymar, who are quite fast. So and Di Maria too, and Di Maria as well. And he did very. I thought he did pretty well, apart from the one nutmeg uh, to keep Di Maria pretty uninvolved. I know he had the one shot, but that was really it. Uh, he had a nice challenge late in the match, which sort of saved a goal, or uh, a ball was sort of cut across the box and. He got fouled, uh, I think, by... It might have been Chupo Moting. I can't remember if he was on at that point. But I thought Davis was all right. As Drew mentioned, it wasn't his best game ever, but it also wasn't his worst. And I think that's really, really good when he's playing on this highest stage and this important of a match with such a crucial role to cut down some of the best players on the planet. Yeah, I would say even if it wasn't you know, maybe his best game or it wasn't a very notable game for him. I think because you don't have to say much about him, and like you said, you don't have to say much about Di Maria, who was on that side of the field, I think that means he played an excellent game. You know, you never want to be the defender or the midfielder that gets talked about at the end of the game because you made some critical mistake in the back, which he did not do. And to hold Di Maria to just a one-shot is fantastic. And obviously, defending is not the 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 base of his game you know it's he definitely started as an attacking player and he's got the speed to be a great attacking player so for him to put in such a great defensive effort is exciting he's only 19 which is still just utterly mind-boggling is he the best player in CONCACAF right now though no he's not I'm gonna I gotta hop in there before you say <laughs> I don't think he is I think it should be Keylor Navas I incredibly disagree because one of those players just won the Champions League and the other allowed the losing goal. And I can see you shaking your head, so you're obviously disagreeing with me. <laughs> this is something that we probably won't agree on until Navas inevitably falls off a little bit because he's like 30 years old and Davies gets even better because he's only 19 and he's younger than every single person on this show, which at 20 years old... <laughs> Born in the same year as him kind of hurts. Um, but I'm happy to see Canada doing well. You know, he's not the only 2000-born soccer player. Jonathan David as well, who we mentioned last week, playing for Lille. Uh, you look at RJ Barrett in the NBA, or Felix Auger-Aliassime in tennis, and Bianca Andreescu, or even Penny Alexiak, who I think she set a world record in swimming and won a gold medal at Rio at 16. So... Canada's got a lot of upcoming talent in a ton of sports, and I am very happy to see that. Drew, who is your best player in CONCACAF? Settle the debate between me and Josh. Oh, man. Well, first off, it's so hard comparing Alfonso Davies to Navas because you're comparing this roadrunner defender to a goalkeeper. 
But just, just pick Pulisic and get it over with. Honestly, like <laughs> I was my say. my heart is leaning Pulisic, but <laughs> I mean he just won Champions League and the Whitecaps in me so happy for him. But at the same time, I mean Pulisic he's scoring these goals against like Arsenal's and Man City's and Man United's, and while the Bundesliga is good, I mean Alfonso Davies he's tearing it up against Hoffenheim and Fortuna Dusseldorf, like. That's kind of just, uh, but and he's Pulisic not isn't even starting. He was, but then he comes in the game and he scores a goal in like ten minutes every time. That's just because he's fast. It works, man. He's scoring goals against some of the <laughs> biggest clubs in the world. But I don't think Pulisic is even in the discussion personally. Okay, he wow. has to be in the wow. discussion. Okay, he's he best right. player towards that the is end just there. a horrible. That's a horrible take. He is he, definitely he, third. Definitely. Whoa! Third. No! 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 Davies is third. Pulisic no. is second. Pulisic no. is second. He's got the track record. No, he's a better. He's a better overall no. player. A better package than Davies. Just because he's not the best at his position in the world doesn't mean he's not a better player. Is Pulisic even the best American player? What? Yeah, by it's not even close. Who, Tyler who Adams. Weston Tyler McKinney. Adams. Listen, Tyler Adams is good, and so is Weston McKinney. I would put Adams above McKinney, For but sure. I would not even put Adams close to Pulisic just because he hasn't played enough. He's only played like half a season. Whose team went farther in the Champions League? He, Pulisic didn't even get a chance to play. He was injured. Exactly. So how can he be in the conversation if he's always exactly? If Pulisic is always about playtime, how can he be in the same conversation? If if you're going to talk about playtime, then Davies is definitely out of the question because he's only played every game for Bayern. He's only played a like a full season. If you're talking playtime overall, then Navas is way up there by far, which is why I think he should be considered the best player. Well, he's got all the Champions League titles. This is what I'm saying. You know what? You, You shouldn't. Davies can't. I, Davies is not the best player in Concacaf. It's Navas. He's got the experience over Davies. If 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 one of them, never mind. I don't want to say that because I put myself in a hole. But Navas <laughs> is better. <laughs> come on. What were you gonna say? What were you no, gonna no, no, say? I don't want to say it. I'm not come gonna on, say it. Come on. I'll tell you guys after we're done recording. Okay. So this is something that you're comfortable saying to us, but don't want to say to the audience so that they hold it over your head. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get got. <laughs> All right, I will tweet this out after the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I don't see how you can have Christian Pulisic in the discussion when Alfonso Davies just won the Champions League, won German player Rookie of the Year, is probably going to make the Champions League team of the season, if they call it that. Team of the tournament? Team of the tournament, not season. Well, yeah, that's because he's, you know, left back. It's left back. It's not left wing. Going up against Jordi Alba, Marcelo. You mean the same? You talking Andy about Jordi Robertson? Alba, who's like on the really bad Barcelona team? He's still one of their best players, which is Liverpool haven't played so. a Champions League game in five months. Get out of here with that Andy Robertson. He's still going up against those guys. Nah, it doesn't matter. He he hasn't played since March. They Liverpool only got six games in. Bayern got like what uh, 11, 11? Yeah, they got eleven games. Whatever. We we got to move on. We can't yeah, spend the whole gonna, podcast talking about this. Is going to take too long. <laughs> so Austin FC they announced their first ever designated player. Do they get over to some more MLS centric news? Cecilio Dominguez. We talked about him two weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, he's coming over from Independiente in Argentina. We talked about this. Uh, he's Paraguayan, so that's two Paraguayan players for Austin FC. Kind of cool to see him build their team out that way. And uh, it was rumors two weeks ago. It's official now. They got their man. 
any thoughts from you guys on them finally getting Dominguez? Uh, it was inevitable, and I think with the links that were there two weeks ago, it makes sense that he finally signed with them, and it's good that they finally announced him. I think he's a good signing. He's relatively young. I think he's only like 25, and he looks like he has some talent. Sounds like he has some talent, so it's a good signing for them. I don't know what they're going to do with him until they enter the league, but I like the signing. Yeah, it's hard to make out exactly what it is because they're 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 tw- starting in twenty twenty two, right? I don't think they were delayed by MLS expansion, so they'll be kicking off soon. But it's twenty twenty one. Yes, oh, it's still twenty twenty. Jeez, Louise. Um, <laughs> I know so, it's felt like five years because we're in the third MLS season of the year. Yeah, Literally. that's jeez. But yeah, it's hard to make anything of the signing. But I like that they're doing this whole continuing the South American pipeline. Um, yeah, like Connor said, I think he's twenty five or twenty six. So. It's good. It's hard to make any. I think he plays on the left primarily. Um, so we'll see how it comes out of it. Excited to see Austin FC building it this way, getting players from South America and seeing what they can do. So I'm a fan of the signing. Um, it's hard to tell exactly how good he's going to be right now with them still getting ready to play. Um, Josh, did you have any thoughts on the signing? Not really. No, like I said, I think it's cool to see the, the two Paraguayans. Don't see that very often where they end up on the same team. Uh, I believe it was Miguel Almiron and Tito Vialba for Land United where that's happened. And two Timbers players, I want to say Christian Paredes and uh, Felipe Mora are the only, that's, that's another tandem of Paraguayan players. So this is another, it's another cool thing to have more of these Paraguayan players. You know, we talk about Argent, the Argentinian players all the time. There's a lot of Venezuelan players usually. Uh, so, more Paraguayans, good. Miguel Almiron, good. The first one. So more of those. Speaking of Atlanta United and Miguel Almiron, Franco Escobar got suspended today uh, for hacking the back of Dom Badgey, as you guys put in the document. Do you think that was deserved? I saw a replay of it after because I didn't even remember the play. It was... It's probably fair. He was kind of running away from him, and Franco just kind of, like, kicked out and just, like, not even close to getting the ball. Just kicked, like, his back leg, like, full stride. So it was pretty cynical. I think it deserves the red card, even if it was after the fact. It just kind of seems like the ref missed. What do you guys think about Bruce Arena? He got his red card from the game against Philadelphia and MLS is back in the round of 16. Today they announced an extra two games, so it'll in total be a three-game suspension and a $15,000 fine. Drew, what do you think Bruce Arena said in that game to get him this suspended? I don't, like, that feels so long ago because I don't know the exact date, but I, if it was MLS's back, it was probably like a month ago, maybe a little less than a month, maybe a little more than a month. So that feels like old news with this crazy year, but because he served... Yeah, I got the red card in that game. So I, I have no idea what you can even say because, like, especially with the mic'd up situation, we had MLS's back. Like, you heard some pretty, I don't want to say horrendous stuff, but pretty, like... Heard. You couldn't hear the broadcast for half the game because he was swearing so much. Right. But, like, to get this suspension, like, that must be... I don't, I don't even know, like, maybe... I don't know what you could say to get this three games to 50,000. So it feels like it was forever ago because it was forever ago. It was like a month. Um, but yeah, the news came out today. Connor, what did you think about this? Is, or Josh just raised his hand. Josh, what did you think about the suspension? Well, I wanted to say, again, this feels like forever because it's been a little bit over a year. But remember, Mike Petke got fired 
from RSL for using a slur in Spanish to a ref from being on the sideline. And then he was internally, it was in, I think it was mainly internally handled by RSL. It wasn't like handled by the league like this situation is. But that makes me wonder if Petkey, whose initial like suspension and fine, I don't think was as big as this. I can't remember the, the specifics, but it was either close to this or slightly less than. So if Petkey used that, that slur in Spanish, then that makes me wonder what Bruce Arena could have possibly said. You know, Connor, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just because he was taking away the audio for half of a game on national TV. Maybe that's why they decided to 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 make it worse. But that's that's that was my initial thought with Pecky. But Connor, you got any more thoughts on that? Uh, not really. Maybe T- Taylor Twelman just got really mad and called MLS and said suspend this guy for two games because they couldn't hear me from ninety percent of that game. Uh, I don't know if he'd have said a racial slur because I think we've we'd have heard about that by now. Uh, that would have gotten out that he'd done something like that, especially with the game being mic'd up and everything around that situation. Uh, two games plus 15,000, that's a lot in MLS, by MLS standards, but based on the fact that you literally couldn't hear the audio for 50% of the match, it's probably deserved, but we don't really know until they release what he said, and they will never do that, which, not surprising. Uh, but I don't have any real issue with it personally. Uh, do you guys want to get into the games this week? Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Let's start off with your beloved Atlanta United, who finally scored a goal. Finally. Uh, it took long enough. Uh, it took Frank DeBoer getting fired and a game against Nashville, which probably helped it a little bit. What did you guys think of that game, and how did you think Pitti Martinez did? Yeah, uh, first game, Steven Glass era, however long it may be, coming up from Atlanta United to replacing the shoes left by Frank DeBoer. But I thought it was good. I mean, just scoring a goal at this point, I'll take anything I can get. But to see it be Pity Martinez, and I thought he played really well. Um, first off, an incredible ball from Eric Rometty on that first goal, which I think earlier in the broadcast, um, Dan Gargan, whoever was on the Fox Sports broadcast, talked about Eric Rometty being the new heartbeat of Atlanta United. And I was like, that's ridiculous. It's Eric Rometty. What are you doing? And then he plays that type of ball. So that was good to see him. I mean, I think ever since Atlanta signed him, there's been kind of a waiting game to see him break out. And maybe this will be the year. Maybe it won't. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it being Nashville, like you said, Connor does help. This isn't an LAFC or a Seattle team, but just at this point, any team to get the goals going, um, however they may come and get confidence going is a positive. So especially Ruby Pity Martinez, when Barco is hurt, which we'll get that to more Joseph Martinez, obviously out for the rest of the year. He's the only DP on the field and he came through. Um, so we'll see if that kind of kicks off a good stretch for him. And because it's a quick turnaround, I think they play Miami Wednesday. As we're recording this on the 24th, the 26th, they play Miami, who just got a big result against Orlando, which we might talk about later. So good win. Just excited to finally see them score. And maybe they're not they're not back by the 2018 Sanders by any means, but a step in the right direction. And under an interim manager, I mean, any win is a win. Um, so, Josh, what did you think about Atlanta's 2 nothing win over Nashville? Definitely a lot of similar thoughts to you. You know, win is a win above all else. You know, I think most fans would have been 
happy to just have like a 1-0 win just because you get the goal, you get the win. Pretty low standards to, to start out <laughs> under glass. That being said, it was, you know, I agree with you, Drew. It wasn't quite like 2018 by any stretch, but the team definitely brought a little more energy than we saw in Orlando, which isn't saying a whole lot, I guess. But it did look so much better. The players looked energized, and especially P.T. Martinez. All week, the social media team was putting out pictures of him smiling and joking around with teammates. Looked like a new new player. I've been calling it the post-breakup glow after uh, after getting, <laughs> after getting DeBoer out of there. It's what, he, it's what he looks like, man, you know? This is how it looks. So for him to come out, and, and like you said, Drew, like he put the team on his back. You don't have Barco out there. You don't have Joseph Martinez. And he pretty much made those chances out of nothing. Rometty's ball was great, but outside of that, I mean, the chop on Zimmerman, the cutback, and the score with the toe poke was fantastic and just what the team needed. So I'm interested to see if Glass can keep morale up, how long that little boost is going to last. Because anytime you see a team with a coach where things are obviously going stale, the new interim is going to be a boost no matter what. It's going to be a little jump in the morale. So I'm, I'm interested to see how long Glass can draw it out. And I'm wondering if he's going to do a good job because there's no pressure on him to win the job. They've already said he's going to go back down to Atlanta United 2. So might be a really good recipe for Atlanta to get into the playoffs with that expanded uh, expanded number of teams. Might be good for them to get in the playoffs, get a little run, win a game or two, just Put good, put good effort forward, finally. Just felt like forever. So, overall, definitely a good win. Moving on to another game, Connor, Toronto versus Vancouver. A little uh, back-to-back action. I believe both games were in Toronto. Definitely one-sided. Toronto getting both wins. What were your thoughts on either game? Any players stand out? And your opinion of Vancouver, please. I'm sorry to any Vancouver fans, but... Holy do they suck. That team is just dreadful. They have, like, almost nothing going for them right now. <laughs> like, it sounds so bad, but it's true. Like, Hey, they got that extra money for uh, Davies winning Champions League, so they got that going for them. That's great. Who are you going <laughs> to spend it on? And it's going to take you, like, six... I think he's, uh, someone in the organization said, like, six to eight weeks or eight to ten weeks to bring someone in because of COVID right now. So good luck with that. Money's great. How are you going to use it? And you just sold one of your DPs, uh, having in Biom. Uh, so that's not ideal for you either. And Ali Adnan refuses to defend and does not seem like the best left back in the world to have. Uh, um <laughs> Yeah, that was he got really exploited by Pablo Piatti, who I thought was incredible in these two games. Uh, from when he like the first game in the three nothing win, he just dominated. Uh, his goal was just such a nice strike, perfect shot, top corner, and it felt so good to actually see him get on the goal on the goal sheet. I thought he looked really good. Richie Larea scored. I thought he looked good. Uh, Josie Altador looked terrible. He was just nowhere to be seen in especially the second match. He came off at halftime for um, not Iowa Canola because he's still hurt, which sucks. Uh, I am blanking on his name, even though I can picture him. But is it Patrick Mullins? Patrick Mullins, thank you. Yeah, he came on for Altador and 
he was there, I guess. I don't know. Strikers, it should be our strong suit, but it really isn't, ironically. Um, Pazuelo. Sign me, sign me Toronto. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Ah, Pazuelo. <laughs> he was good. I didn't even hear what you said, so I'm just going to agree with what you said and move on. Um, yes. <laughs> Disagree with what you said now. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this back on the edit, which, by the way, yes, I edit these. Um, Pablo, pa- not Pablo, Pazuelo. There's too many P's on this team. Pazuelo was really good. He got a few assists. He assisted on the Lorea goal in the one nothing win. Auro, I thought, looked pretty good. Just the entire team really looked pretty decent, uh, although they really weren't challenged by Vancouver at all. Did either of you guys watch this game? And if so, what were your thoughts? Yeah, um, first off, I am very excited for the Pasuelo bowling connection that's going to take up BMO Field next year. But anyway. Um... Oh, God, <laughs> that's what you said? <laughs> yes. oh. oh, I shouldn't have said that. I spoiled it. But... <laughs> you are dreaming. Also, you're not tall enough. We need a big boy. All right, fair. <laughs> but no offense. I was. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Vancouver just got played off the field. I think it was the first game, the 3 nothing win. Pasuelo had that. I don't know if it was a backheel assist, but it was just a really good assist. And, yeah, like you said, um, just all three goals. Piotti's goal was absolutely ridiculous in that 3 nothing win. But I was... I, didn't, I don't think people have a lot of expectations for Vancouver. I mean, they kind of surprised some people with that MLS's back run which wasn't that good when you put into context but given the low standards for the white caps honestly anything is above expectations at this point but that first game i think it was like 76 to 24 percent possession and vancouver just didn't do anything with the ball just toronto absolutely dominated even worse even more so than i think anyone expected given that it's one of the best teams in the league versus one of the worst teams in the league so I don't think people were picking a Vancouver win by any means, but that was just that first. The first game is the one I watched, and that was just very, even worse by Whitecap standards. Um, Josh, did you catch highlights or catch that game at all? Yeah, I just saw the highlights of all the goals. You know, great strike from Lorea, absolutely great strike from Piatti in that first game. That was just very, very, very good. And I got to say, it's fun to see him playing well. You know, he's been dealing with so many of those injuries, and he finally got going a little bit in MLS's back, but didn't really do too much. He was definitely overshadowed by Akinola and Pasuelo. So for him to really pick it up for a game, put the team on his back, was really cool to see. And hopefully he can stay healthy because Toronto, with him and Altidore and hopefully Akinola back soon, They'll be a very, very fun team to watch. And Pesuelo, too, of course. Just a lot of really great attacking talent. I do want to ask you guys one question before we move on and talk about Portland-Seattle because that game happened last night and was pretty interesting. Do you think that Phase 1 is unfair in Toronto's favor because they have to play Vancouver, who, ooh, and Montreal, who they beat pretty handily in the MLS's back tournament? Definitely, I would say so. And this also gives them a chance, if they want, to play some of their bench players to get some more rotation going, to get back into the swing of things before they end up playing other teams, which hopefully that ends up working out to where the Canadian teams can join the American teams. But yeah, definitely an advantage for Toronto. Rotation, you can experiment a little bit, and 
you're building up fitness all and chemistry all at the same time for the players that are playing. So definitely an advantage for them. Drew, do you think it leans towards Toronto's favor to be playing just the Canadian teams? Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, I mean, like Connor said, Vancouver is kind of uh, not doing good, a pretty big dumpster fire. And Montreal is a work in progress. We talked a lot about them and the MLS's back tournament. That's kind of just carrying over. And Toronto is one of the best teams in the league, even though they didn't make it to the final. I think people still have high hopes for them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that gives you chances to maybe take it a little slower, um, bring in some young players, get some squad rotation in. That might pay off in Phase 2 if they get to come to the States and play other teams. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Um, when I saw that in the doc, I thought you were talking about it's an unfair advantage for Toronto, but that makes a lot more sense when you phrase it that way. So, yeah, I think so, just because – and that's no fault on Toronto. I mean, they can't do anything about it. The Whitecaps are terrible. Montreal's not the best, and you kind of got to go by the rules your country set. So it's just unfair set of circumstances, and MLS kind of has to do what they can. And for Toronto's case, that almost feels like giving them free points here and there, but – it is what it is. Connor, as a TFC supporter, what do you think of the Phase 1 only Canadian teams playing each other? I think it is definitely leaning in Toronto's favor because they do get to pick up all of those extra points. Uh, although they are playing worse competition, I guess, than they would have been. Um, I don't have an issue with it. I'll Obviously, I don't have an issue with it as a Toronto FC fan, but... Yeah, I, don't, I think it is a little unfair for the U.S. teams because you also have to do a lot more traveling. You know, we're sort of doing the way that they're doing the Canadian stuff is they're just going to one location, playing all the games in that location, and all three teams are going to the other location, uh, apart from the first Montreal game uh, in Toronto. But I like it. I have no issue with it, obviously. Uh, do you guys want to talk about the next game? Have you ranted about Atlanta and Toronto enough? I'll go ahead and, and say that big win for Seattle. They kind of whimpered out of the uh, MLS's back tournament with that beatdown at the hands of LAFC. It was very, it was a very un-Seattle way to go out because even when they got knocked out by Portland in the 2018 uh, playoffs, MLS Cup playoffs, fantastic back-and-forth game, huge fight. None of that was there against LAFC. So really big bounce back for Seattle. They won 3-0 over the Timbers. I didn't really see much of the game. I was sort of following along on Twitter last night while I was doing some other things. But Raul Ruiz finally scored some goals. He got two goals and was assisted on another. So I would say big, big game, big win for uh, Seattle, especially over a rival. Drew, what do you make of last night's result? Yeah, I thought obviously a big win for Seattle. Um, I thought it was interesting, maybe we'll get into this later, that both finalists in the MLS's back tournament lost and both let up three goals with Orlando losing 3-2 to Miami, Miami's first win, which we'll get into later. But yeah, I thought Portland, I don't think, played bad, per se. Um, they had a couple of really good chances. Stephen Fry came up big, as I feel like he always does. But Rui Diaz, um, the first goal, even though we might talk about maybe should have been considered an own goal. Um, what you got, Josh? I forgot to mention it, but Portland did have two goals taken back from VAR. So it wasn't like they the scoreline might have been a little unfair for that. I think one of the offside calls was super close. That I think it was that great Chris Duvall glosso from out of the box, just perfectly placed rocket. 
And there was also another, I don't know much about the second one being called back, but thought that should be said. Definitely a close game from that perspective. The second but, one was definitely offside 100%, by the way. Okay. Well, they, they had the one goal questionably taken away. So they can't, they were definitely close, but... Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely needed to be said. That although if you look at the scoreline, you see three nothing, you think it's the Seattle beatdown. But I think it took around the seventieth minute until Seattle got that goal. And I mean, Rui Diaz is just one of the best players in the league, and he didn't he had an inch on that chance and hit the post, came back off the keeper and went in. And then Portland got exposed pretty pretty heavily late. But again, Portland didn't play bad. Um, I think it was a Sebastian Blanco chance that got saved. That was absolutely incredible. Um, he got a one touch, got past the defender, set up one-on-one. But Stefan Fry, one of the best, if not the best shot stopper in the league, came up big. So although it looks bad for Portland and obviously that Cascadia rivalry, getting a 3 nothing win feels pretty good for Seattle. I, Portland didn't play bad, um, which is really impressive. I thought, I thought they would play very bad. I thought the legs might be a little heavy making that extended MLS's back run. But... They played really well against Seattle, who, like Josh said, kind of whimpered out of that tournament and were probably very geared up for this game. Um, Rivalry and just a chance to beat the champions, um, however you want to consider winning MLS's back. But Portland didn't play as bad as getting beat 3-0, might say. Connor, what did you think about the Cascadia rivalry game? Well, that Sebastian Blanco touch that you just mentioned was just chef's kiss. That was so, so nice. Uh, I'm so sad he didn't score that goal because that would have been potential goal of the year candidate in my books because, woof, that was such a nice touch. Um, but I thought it was, as you guys mentioned, the scoreline was a little unfair. Uh, Portland fell apart late, I think, uh, in the match, and that's sort of where these last two goals sort of came from. Uh, I thought that the Rui Diaz goal should be an own goal because it came off the crossbar and then hit the back, either the hands and arms of Steve Clark or his back and went in. So I don't know how they gave him that goal. Maybe there's a different rule in the rule book that I've not seen or know about, but I thought that should have been an own goal. And we'll get into the ramifications of that goal later in the podcast, but I thought Seattle looked good. Uh, they played well. Jordan Morris was solid. I thought Rui Diaz was good. I just thought it was a good game altogether. Uh, Leardem, he finally got a goal, so that's really good for him. And it was a nice finish, nice little layoff by Rui Diaz to put that home. And Yeah, I don't really have much more to add to this than, uh, than you guys. Is there any other stuff you want to mention from games this past week? Darlington Nagby's beautiful volley yeah very yeah. very good very good i wish he had scored at least one of those in with his time in atlanta because we've all seen the goal of the season back in i think it was 2013 whatever his first year was with portland a similar goal to this but even more impressive if you can imagine and then didn't get any of these fantastic goals in atlanta came close a couple of times and then, of course, comes out and does this for Columbus. So I have to say I'm definitely jealous. But it was a fantastic goal nonetheless. I think it's, you know, Connor, you were just mentioning goal of the year candidate. Here's one for sure so far. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Rivals, uh, Pablo Piatti's, I thought Pablo Piatti was going to get goal of the week. And then Nagby did that. And every all of that hope just got immediately wiped off the table. Uh, Drew, do you have anything else you want to mention? Um, not really. I do want to ask really quickly because I mentioned a little bit 
both MLS's back cup finalists lost their games. Um, Miami got their first win, a 3-2 win over Orlando in Portland with that one we just talked about. Uh, do you guys think making that extended run in the tournament hurt them and may continue to hurt them in these little phase one games? You know, I, I don't think we can necessarily speak to specifics because we're not there, but I think from the outside, I could see a scenario played out where they've been pushing so hard for so long and then they finally maybe take a couple days off and rest because the final was only, what, two weeks ago? Barely. So I think you come back, you finally get home, you finally see your family again. You just kind of ease off. You lose some of that intensity you had. And so maybe they kind of slept walk, slept walked a little bit through these games, you know, not quite. And, and I don't necessarily fault them for that. Keeping that same intensity that you have in a knockout tournament, it's hard to bring that to a, just a regular season game, especially when you know you got tons more games coming up after this. So I'm personally, I'm willing to kind of give them mulligan because of that. What do, you, what do you think about these outcomes for Orlando and Portland, Connor? Well, I think we should probably mention who Orlando lost to because I don't think we've mentioned that. And they got their first win in MLS, Inter-Miami. So congratulations to them. Winning 3-2 is pretty big. Uh, I don't know, did Gonzalez Perez? Or, yeah, he played. He did mm-hmm. play, so he made his debut. Yes. Uh, I don't believe Blaze Matuidi played, so he did not play yet. Hopefully he plays this week. Um but yeah, I thought it was really interesting to see them both lose. Obviously, they both had tough opponents. Uh, Portland, a little bit more so, facing Seattle. Uh, but I don't think really playing those extra games is going to have that much of an effect on them. I thought it might have affect them, affected them in a positive way because they're a bit more fresh uh, and in game shape than other clubs, like the teams that went out early in Inner Miami, for example. But clearly that's not the case, and that's really interesting to me. Uh, I don't see that being an issue in the future. I think Orlando has shown what they are. They're not amazing, but they're also not terrible. Uh, They've sort of improved a little bit since our view of them before MLS's back started, but they're still that team that everyone sort of questioned. Portland, on the other hand, it was just a tough game. And I thought it was a tough outcome for them. Overall, it was just unfortunate. What really surprised me was LAFC losing to LA Galaxy. They lost 2-0. Vela got injured. What is What happened to LAFC? I think I, I, I want to say almost sort of a similar thing. You know, they just didn't have the intensity. But they, they've been out for a while, so you would expect LA, LAFC, especially going out on the way they did and penalties against Orlando and what was close because it was tied at the end for them. You know, I think people would expect them to come out firing on all cylinders. They're, they're upset with the way they went out. They're going to kind of get a little bit of revenge for themselves, you know, come out with a, with a hunger in their, in their bellies, but not really. I mean, they just didn't do anything. I think it's a huge blow for Vela to go down because I haven't seen anything official yet. I haven't seen anyone, reporting on what his injury might be. I will say, if you go back and look, it was a non-contact injury of the leg variety. That is scary stuff. That's very scary stuff because it could be a ligament injury, which would be really, really significant for them. 
they're a good team without Vela. Don't get me wrong. You saw some great moments of brilliance from them in the MLS's back tournament. But it's just a different monster when you do have Vela. So I think that's the biggest thing to come out of it. I'm willing to give LAFC the pass. Galaxy, I guess, just wanted it more. From what I read, from what I saw, they played a little bit of better soccer than they were in the tournament. But I don't know. It's just weird to see LAFC not come out with that intensity. Yeah, and you did mention the Vela injury. and Was it a contact injury? Uh, Bob Bradley said after the match, um, we'll need to at least a day or two to fully assess. But just before that play, he took a shot. The shot was blocked. Uh, so that is usually an MCL type situation. So that's what we will take, we will look at in the next day or two. That's really bad if it's an MCL injury because those can be tough to recover from, especially if it's a tear. That could be season ending for him, and that would be really, really unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, Drew, do you have any sort of thoughts on that game? Um, not a whole lot. Again, seeing a really good player like Villa go down is never good for anyone. But, I mean, from the LA Galaxy point of view, like Josh said, I mean, LAFC is still really good without Carlos Vela. And during MLS's back, we kind of roasted the LA Galaxy defense. I think, as we should have, there was moments where that defense looked very poor. But, I mean, they held LAFC, one of the best offenses in the league, to a shutout. And I think they only had three shots on target. Yeah, so, I mean... Maybe the Galaxy are making a turn for the better on the de- defensive side. Um, obviously, I don't think it can get much worse than what they've put up previously. But yeah, not a whole lot on that game. Um, still waiting for news on Carlos Vela. But seeing the Galaxy not only beat LAFC, but to beat them in a shutout um, feels like a really positive step forward. Um, but yeah, I think that is all the games that we go over from this past week looking ahead to next week um well no before we get into next week um the player of the week was announced i think it was announced today and it came out raul ruiz diaz um josh i saw your tweet that you i think you voted for raul ruiz diaz with your north american soccer reporters so if it wasn't obviously you agree with ruiz diaz winning the award if it wasn't ruiz diaz who else were you thinking of putting your vote in for that player of the week award I put P.T. Martinez as my second choice. But in hindsight, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, Pablo Piatti also had a brace because Rui Diaz and Martinez had braces. And then when we were talking about the Miami game, it jogged my memory. Julian Carranza, he scored two goals in that game. Really big game for him. One of Miami's bigger signings so far. So that was significant. But honestly, I would have been fine with being any of those four. I think... Those were the only multiple goal scorers in a game, which is super significant. They were clearly supporting their teammates, really putting the team on their back to get those to go out and get those wins because all of those teams won with those braces. So for me, I just thought Rui Diaz and Seattle needed to win a little bit more than some of those other teams. I think you look back, Toronto is expected to win. Atlanta's probably expected to beat Nashville. And Miami over Orlando, maybe not in hindsight, but again, I had forgotten about him, and I, on truthfully, I forgot about Piotti because it was almost a week ago. So Rui Diaz last night was the freshest in my mind. That's why I went with him. Connor, do you agree with Raul Rui Diaz's pick of player of the week? If not, who would you select? I didn't agree with that selection personally because I viewed him as only having a goal and an assist because I thought that his first goal should have been an own goal, but he did have two goals and an assist. Uh, I understand his selection. 
I personally would have gone with probably Pablo Piatti because he did play two matches as opposed to everyone else on that list. Um, and he was pretty good in the second match as well. I thought he created a few good opportunities. Um, oh, yeah, I understand the Rui Diaz selection. I do. And I don't have that much of an issue with it. I just think it should have been somebody else because of the own goal. But because it wasn't ruled an own goal, I understand it. Drew, who is your pick this week? Um, I'm going to go with who Josh said was his second pick. I'm going to say Pity Martinez because his first goal was absolutely incredible. I thought it was really good individual effort getting on the end of that really good pass for Remedi. And I almost thought he had an assist on his second goal earlier in that buildup. He played a really good ball to Kubo Torres, which I was kind of disappointed that Kubo didn't get on the score sheet because the new signing making his debut. But Kubo kind of botched it. But then Pity put his laces through and scored an incredible goal first time. So, again, like you said, Connor, I get Rui Diaz winning at two goals and an assist is pretty hard to beat. But, yeah, I thought Pity played really well. Had a, almost could have ended with a goal and assist, but two goals, not a bad day. Um, but, yeah, Raul Rui Diaz did win that award. I think that became official today. So, definitely well-deserving. But, going to look at the standings really quick. Um, Columbus is atop the East, and Sporting Kansas City atop the West. Um, Toronto FC second in the East. So, guys, with got 18 games, I don't know, 18 games total in these phases. Um, how serious are you taking the standings right now when it comes to a potential playoff picture? Connor, I guess we'll start with you. How serious are you taking these standings to matches into this phase one? I'm really torn, personally, because I could see this being what decides the MLS Cup with the current situation in the U.S. And at the same time, you're having Toronto play Vancouver three times. And that's like a lot of your schedule. So I, I wouldn't say I'm taking it that seriously, especially considering how many teams are getting into the playoffs this year. But I can understand somebody taking it seriously personally. I also think we should mention that Columbus is leading the league in points with 16, and Toronto SKC are tied with 15. So it's still very tight for the Supporters' Shield this year. What are your guys' sort of thoughts on the schedule and the standings and everything along those lines? I think it's pretty pretty indicative of, of how these teams have played. You know, I, I wouldn't disagree if you were to come to me and say these are the best six teams. I wouldn't fight you too hard on that. I think... I, th- I think it w- would be crazy to say that Red Bulls are one of the best six teams, but here they are with 10 points. I mean, they're they're hanging on in that third spot in the East. I think I would only really be surprised to not see LAFC in talk, you know, and, and, and talking about these top three teams in each side of the league. But, you know, we were just discussing that now going forward, they don't have Vela and, and, and they just don't have... I think they've had a few draws is what's really brought down their point total. But... Yeah, I mean, that's my main thought. Columbus, so far, I think they've been the best overall team, especially if you're just disregarding the knockout portion of MLS's back. You know, talking about the group stage, which are the games that contributed to this point total. Yeah, Columbus doesn't surprise me, seeing them up top. And as far as affecting the playoff picture and all that, I don't really know if these games are going to have that much of an effect, if you think about it, just because home field advantage isn't, really there without fans 
and even if you pipe in crowd noise like Atlanta did this past weekend against Nashville, I don't think it really has that much of an effect either. I think the players can really tell that there are no fans there. And I think that really evens out the playing field. So if there was a year where the standings didn't count at all, which is saying a lot for MLS, then this would be the year. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point with the home field advantage. But uh, something to note, um, in this playoff format, the first overall seed in the East and West do get first-round buys, so maybe that will come into effect. But yeah, like Josh said, I think you can make a case that Columbus is the best team in the league. Um, So yeah, nothing too surprising here. Like you said, LAFC not being in the picture. Um, They're still in the playoffs, I believe. I'm looking at the standings right now. Um, Yeah, they're still in the playoffs right now. They're in that fifth spot. But, yeah, not getting the one seed really doesn't do a whole lot for the playoff picture because you won't get that first round by. Um, yeah, those are the standings getting ahead to this upcoming week. We have NYCFC and Columbus are playing right now as we speak. They might have just ended. But looking ahead to next week, what is one game, Josh, that you have an eye on for the upcoming week in MLS? So my my match of the week for this for this next seven days is Seattle versus LAFC on Sunday night. There, first of all, I want to say there are a lot of intriguing games, and a lot of these teams are playing twice before we record again in seven days. So very jam packed schedule. But if I had to pick one to watch, I think I would go with Seattle LAFC. I'm intrigued about how these teams are going to approach. This game, they both have a lot to fight for in this case. LAFC just got embarrassed by the rivals again. Did not look like LAFC at all. So I'm, I'm expecting them to really come out energized, ready to go. And then Seattle, I'm looking for them to get revenge on LAFC for getting knocked out in the MLS's back tournament. So I'm expecting both of these teams to really, really want this win. And I think that's going to produce some extremely exciting soccer Drew, what game do you have your eye on for this next week? I uh, think a game I have my eye um, which are a lot of really fun games. One of them specifically focusing on it was Wednesday night, Portland versus San Jose. This is San Jose's first game back since the MLS is back tournament, and we talked a whole lot about the whole main marking scheme that they went with in the tournament. I imagine they'll stick with that, maybe. Um, Almeida will mess around with it, but they're playing the Portland Timbers, who, although they got beat 3 nothing, a really good team, obviously. I'm excited to see what Sebastian Blanco can do. Um, I'm excited to see Portland trying to rebound after that loss against San Jose, which we talked about. Their games are always entertaining. It's just a matter of if they score five goals or if the other team scores five goals. Those games they play with this main market are always super fun, um, and especially against a good team like Portland. I'm excited to see what their playmakers like Sebastian Blanco and Diego Valeri are going to be able to do against San Jose. So that's Wednesday night, um, a little late-night action that I'm keeping my eye on. Connor, what match are you specifically focusing on? This is going to sound incredibly biased, but I'm going to say Toronto-Montreal on Friday night. I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how Montreal rebounds following the MLS's back tournament where Toronto beat them in the group stage uh, and they've sort of mixed a bit better and I'm going to be really interested to see just how Toronto does and whether or not they play as well as they have against Vancouver. I like that game. I also like the LA Galaxy versus Seattle Sounders game because LA Galaxy versus Seattle Sounders, that's two of the Giants uh, and I think that 
Josh, your pick on Sunday night is also a very good selection in Seattle versus LAFC, although that gets hurt a little bit if Vale is out. I don't know. I think there's some really good games this week, and every single night that there are games, there's going to be stuff to watch and really meaningful games to watch. So I'm excited for MLS, the fact that it's finally back playing regular season games in home markets, even if that may not be the best decision in the world. Do we have anything else we need to add to this week's pod? All right, Drew, take us out. Awesome. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We're getting close to an hour here, so we're going to wrap up this episode. Yeah, as always, please visit MLSMultiplex.com. As writers, keep cranking out awesome stuff as MLS is still going on. A lot of really good stories from game recaps to game previews and just a lot of really awesome stories on the website. So please, please, please visit MLSMultiplex.com. And right after you do that, please leave the podcast a review. Uh, We love hearing feedback on how we can get better, what we need to do. So please leave that review after visiting the website. And also feel free to visit us on social media, myself at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville, and the website at MLSMultiplex. get all of our takes during the game after the game and everything we have to say on twitter so yeah thank you guys so much for listening we really do appreciate it and we will see you guys next week thank you for listening to the mls multiplex podcast check out all of the contributors written work at mlsmultiplex.com